Good morning, and welcome to Atheist's Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We appreciate you tuning in or streaming this morning. Today is Sunday, September 12th, 2019. 15th, actually. September 15th. I, you can tell when I did the script. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan, and my guests today are James Croft and the ever-helpful Scott Loman. During this live show, we welcome your phone calls to 952-946-6205, emails to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or questions on Twitter directed to Atheists Talk. Today's show promises to be just a little bit geeky. Or maybe a lot geeky. Um, Scott's joining me today to talk with James about the ethics of Star Trek. James presented a workshop on the topic at the Secular Student Alliance Conference this summer. And when I heard about it, I knew I needed to put the two of them together to talk about it. Good morning, James and Scott, and welcome to Atheist's Talk. Thank you, Stephanie. Good morning. So, uh, James, we'll just start with the basics. Is that uh, When did you get into Star Trek? I was raised on Star Trek. In fact, I remember as a kid being taken to a Star Trek convention in London and meeting George Takei for the first time. And I was so scared that I wouldn't go up to speak to him. So my little brother, who rolled his eyes, took the photo that we were going to get signed and brought it up to the desk. And then we both went to give him the news that we had been raised in Star Trek by my mother, and he said, wow, being raised the right way. <laughs> so that was, that was just a wonderful affirmation that raising kids on Star Trek is a good thing to do. My mother is a huge fan, and so she brought us up watching usually The Next Generation. That was what was on TV when we were kids. Okay, well, I can, I can trace myself back to watching the original series when it aired, on that, I'm just barely in the age range on that, and then watched it um, as it as it hit reruns and eagerly anticipated waiting for when they announced the animated series. And I audio taped all of those when it premiered because that's how old I was and that's what the technology is. And my mother keeps saying I should never have let him do that. <laughs> So I've got the fun part of that. So um, uh, my my trekkiness goes way, way back. So um, it's been a, a delightful hobby, and um, it's just uh, – it, it gives back amazing as far as the connections that you can make with people and what you can use to teach. Like for a couple of years, I um, taught an evening class at um, our local Camp Quest, and I used Star Trek many years to – use that as our, as our text for the evening. So we got to watch Star Trek, but they also then had to answer and discuss 10 questions. So I put them to hard work on that. That's awesome. That sounds like the best Camp Quest experience ever. That was always great fun because there was plenty of ones where you could dig out and just go, okay, this is the main topic about this and, you know, we'll look at that. And um, even with your with the ethics on that, that was also, you know, one of the main things we would talk about is, you know, the ethics and the morals that uh, are are in the episodes. Well, that's one of the great things about Star Trek is that each episode is a sort of moral parable that – they tend to explore in the main storyline some sort of ethical idea, just like a story from the Bible might, except, you know, better, <laughs> with better values and more reasonable approaches to things, a more liberal approach to life. And that's one of the things I've always loved about Star Trek. It has an ethic at its heart. It's trying to say something about how we should live. So I can see how young people could get something out of that. Yeah, and we can see that going back, all the way back, because that's what Roddenberry wanted to do when he first put the show on the air. Um, he and, and Rod Serling had noticed something, that if you use science fiction to talk about serious issues, you can sneak things past people who would be censoring you. Because they both noticed that you could take a speech that if you had two guys in suits giving it in the well of the Senate and talking about that, that would have been yanked from a script really fast. However, if you had it with two guys with really big foreheads wearing silvery costumes, it went totally over the censors' heads because they didn't connect it with reality. Right. I think that 
suggests that the sensors are a little bit, uh, let's say, disconnected from reality because some of these early episodes particularly are very heavy-handed in their moral messaging and pretty direct. But I also think that there's something interesting, not just in getting past sensors to get the show on the air, but also kind of getting past our internal sensors, trying to encourage people to think about issues that might be difficult for them by giving it just enough distance from our everyday experience that we sort of let it in and allow ourselves to explore it. So I think it's an ingenious way to explore difficult ethical topics. Yeah, definitely. And the, and the fact that the show still is going strong at, at the ripe old age of 53 still boggles my mind at times. It's an amazing success story, one of the most successful and beloved television series in all of human history, one of the most successful franchises of all. And that's one of the reasons why it sometimes surprised me that people kind of treat it with a little bit of disdain, as if it's kind of twee or well it is twee but if it's twee in a bad way (laughs) or um not a significant part of our culture and i always wonder where are the television shows that are angling for star trek's audience which is enormous and global and often underserved by other television shows trying to do the same thing yeah, there are some, but they just still don't have the the following that that Star Trek has, and the excitement that um, has happened when there's been points where it looks like the franchise was just going to do a slow fade and has been brought back. Um, the the Abrams film in 2009, while not the most perfect Star Trek out there, did what I wanted it to do, which was respark interest in the entire franchise. Yes, it certainly did that. I will give it that. <laughs> yes, that's that's the thing I give it on that too. Because there's there's definitely, and you get a couple of Star Trek fans, and you'll get some really passionate chatter about that one. So I have just realized that I have put a Minnesotan and a Brit on the air together to talk about things that are some that 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 are imperfect, and so we are going to get much of that. <laughs> Yes. Yes, there is a good thing about that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're just going to go I'm for I'm going that. to use the adjective interesting. And I mean <laughs> terrible. And everybody here will know exactly what yep. you mean. That, that fits right into Minnesota on that. So what are some of your, your favorite episodes to use when you start want to talk about ethics, or where do you start when you talk about ethics in Star Trek? Oh, my goodness. There are so many episodes that we could – talk about my favorite episode i think of all of star trek is the measure of a man i think it is an exquisite discourse on what it is to be a human being i mean essentially it's the most direct ethical investigation in a star trek episode because they literally have a court case to determine whether lieutenant commander data is really a person And so it's very, very directly exploring ethical issues. But I use that example in my workshop because it shows how willing Star Trek is to give over major screen time to essentially a philosophical discussion of great ethical import. And it's done so well, the performances by Patrick Stewart. And it's just an exquisite little examination of that topic that i have to say is a lot better than a lot of professional philosophy about the same idea so i love that one yeah and that that one does a great job because um uh the the writer of that has been here in minnesota a couple of times and has talked about that episode she used the dred scott um case to want in as as a basis because she was also trained as a lawyer to um want to play with those type of things. And so she was uh, delighted and is, is still enjoying talking about this 30 years out from Star Trek The Next Generation. Wow. that's I'd love to hear them speak about that because it's just one of my favorite pieces of television ever. Yeah. One I used for, for Camp Quest is the Pegasus from uh, – latter seasons of the next gen is uh, the case where um, an admiral shows up and they need to go look for the Federation's experiment or Starfleet's experiment with a cloaking device. And it brings in uh, the ethics of when you're 
old boss shows up and you're working for a new boss and you're discovering the old boss was not nearly as perfect as he should have been. So it's it's a wonderful case of loyalty and personal ethics and broader ethics, and that one works just really well in that. Um, and Jonathan Frakes gives just a really wonderful performance of uh, putting Riker through his his stress on that particular episode. I think Jonathan Frakes is often under-respected for the stability that he gave that show. I feel like a lot of Star Trek series take a number of seasons to really bed in for the people to get their characters. And I always felt that The Next Generation really benefited from particularly Jonathan Frakes really nailing Riker from episode one. And he provided this wonderful continuity and a, a great character. And, yeah, I think it's definitely on display in that episode. Yeah, and you can even uh, – it's it's easy to move on to any of the other series and the new ones. And we'll have to see what, what happens as we move forward with – with Star Trek Picard, but the um, the excitement that we've heard in Patrick Stewart talking about that series um, is really got everybody going, so it should be a lot of fun on that part. Um, so do you um, grab episodes from the full spectrum when you're working with your ethics? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I try and use the entire series right from the original series through to Discovery, and I have a whole section about Discovery and how it's trying to do some similar things in a different way and exploring some challenging contemporary issues today. I think one of the difficulties... I'm going to put you on hold there because we do need to go to commercial. Please stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheist's Talk with our guests James Croft and Scott Lohman. I'm Stephanie Zavan, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Did you realize that Drink in the Style is available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcast platform out there? You can listen to past episodes of Drink in the Style, or maybe download our really cool martini glass graphic, or just listen to your favorite episode again and again. But if you do, I need to ask you for a quick favor. Hop online and give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show and also boosts my fragile ego. Drink in the Style. It's a great way to kill Sundays or really anytime at all. I'm Rick Unger. You've heard the screamers. You've heard the shouters, the haters, the beraters. Well, now it's time to listen to a real conversation, a rational conversation. Now it's time for the Rick Unger Show. Listen to the Rick Unger Show every weekday from 5 to 7 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Stream at am950radio.com or search KTNF on the TuneIn app. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Hi, my name is Mickey McCabe, and I'm the owner of Cucumbers Restaurant at 75th and Francine Dinah. If you've never been to Cucumbers, it's a buffet-style restaurant with a huge variety of salads, homemade soups, bakery items, and hot entrees that change daily and nightly, plus our always fresh fruit and delicious ice cream. We're open for lunch and dinner, but Sunday brunch is my favorite time at Cucumbers, with scrambled eggs, waffles, French toast, bacon, sausage, baked ham, chicken fajitas, brunch potatoes, warm gooey cinnamon rolls, and many other items to choose from. It's no wonder why Cucumbers has always been a popular Sunday destination. So whether you're looking to skip Mass, someplace to go after Mass, or just great food to maintain your Mass, Cucumbers is the answer to your prayers. Bring in your church bulletin or Minnesota Atheist newsletter and receive a $2 discount off the buffet price. Cucumbers, one heavenly buffet at 75th and France, Edina. 
Don't believe in God? Join the club. Humanists, atheists, and freethinkers have joined the American Humanist Association since 1941 to advocate for progressive values and equality for non-theists in America. Located in Washington, D.C., the American Humanist Association lobbies Congress on humanist issues, protects the rights of atheists in the courts, and supports more than 140 local chapters. Visit us at AmericanHumanist.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter to learn how you can join the club today. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheist's Talk, and I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan. If you like what you hear on our show and want to know more about Minnesota atheists, check out our newbie night this Wednesday with trivia at Hickory and Hops, or find another event on meetup.com and join us in person. This is a live show, and we welcome questions at 952-946-6205 or emailed to radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Find us on Twitter or Facebook under Atheists Talk. Today's guests are James Croft and Scott Lohman. Welcome back, James and Scott. So when I cut you off so rudely, James, you were um, just starting to talk about how discovery is um, taking Star Trek's exploration of ethics in a slightly different direction. Absolutely. I think one of the challenges with a beloved franchise is that fans often want it to stay the same because you like what it is and so you want more of it. And I don't think it would be in fitting with the ethos of Star Trek for it to stay the same, for it to remain relevant and to challenge viewers. It has to keep pushing the moral horizon out as our society develops and keep trying to think, okay, what's the next issue we have to tackle? We've done racism. We've done issues about HIV and AIDS. We've done all these other issues. And what, what's the next thing we have to challenge? And so that's why I appreciate that discovery is taking the series in a new direction is trying to address some different ethical issues. We've seen challenges of extremism of religious and political variety and the messy complexities of politics in a time of war and really quite interesting exploration of what it means to do cutting edge research and what compromises you're willing to make to get your goals so i still think the heart of star trek is present even though it's in a very different package yeah i definitely agree with that because um discovery uh, especially in second season when they could move away from the seriousness that having an ongoing war does, um, hit uh, had episodes at the quality level of all of the our other series in and how they were dealing with things and playing around with um, the just the complexity of trying to figure out a complex mystery and then how it connects to our characters and then where you're going to make, do you make compromises in solving those problems or what are the ethics of um, trying to figure things out as the the th- issues get more complicated? Yeah. I do think that there's a challenge with Discovery in that they seem to think that they always have to be saving the universe. And one of the lovely things about the earlier series of Star Trek is that perhaps partly because they had longer seasons, they could have episodes in which essentially nothing happened. And there wasn't a kind of earth-shattering challenge that they had to respond to. And that allows you to explore a broader range of ethical issues. Because if no one's in risk of dying, you know, if, if what's happening is a sort of diplomatic visit of a strange alien race, then you can explore a, a more subtle palette of ethical topics and i appreciate that and i hope that the future series of discovery and also picard and things like that are able to kind of expand the range of things they can explore and be looser and lighter sometimes yeah and i think we'll see that was because discovery season three they're they're moving them into a totally new place and so then we'll have the the issues of dealing with how do we figure out um you know where we are and what's going on how do we learn to survive in a new place and that stuff. So I think we'll go back to less of um, t- we have to save the entire universe um, by the end of end of the season, as a, and get more of those up close and personal ethical stories that Star Trek does so well. I cannot wait. 
Should be great fun. They're right now in production. They don't haven't launched. Give us any launch dates yet. The um, CBS is a little close-minded on that, but they've also got two major events coming up Star Trek wise with authors on the way. So that's going to um, they'll just schedule it how it wor- how that part works. So um, it, Picard looks like it may have some sort of. Bigger ethical issues, but it's still going to have lots, should have lots of good stuff on that part. So um, the fun thing is we still can, we'll see that when we go to fan events that people will start talk about um, what Star Trek um, means to them and, and the discussion of the issues and uh, on that part. So we, and what's fun is, is going back and even looking, you know, episode by episode or doing that's one of my favorites when you talked about um, not Big issues is uh, the return of the Archons um, from the original series where they could do a thing both looking at the ethics of how do you interact with a society that appears to be really controlling and doing some uh, looks at uh, authoritarian or even religious authoritarian types of societies. I think that would be a really great place for the series to go. I think of Best of Both Worlds from Next Generation where – the Federation sort of tried to understand, or at least the crew of the Enterprise, the Borg culture, as it were, in an attempt to to really try and expand the diplomatic ethos of the Federation, even to a culture that was intent on destroying uh, Starfleet itself and the human species. And for me, one of the best things about Star Trek is its constant reminder that there's always something new to understand about other people. And I just feel like we live in a time when it's very difficult to access this sense that we're all part of a shared enterprise together and we have to keep trying to understand each other because only if we understand each other can we move forward. So I would love to see you know, the Archons come back and then to try and examine what that relationship looks like. So as someone who has been at most a casual viewer of uh, uh, Star Trek. I am curious when you're talking about how things have changed over time, how do you think Star Trek has done um, addressing its own flaws, you know, addressing its its um, blind spots you know, from earlier seasons or earlier series? They do that by figuring out as they as they move forward because for um, instance they were looking to deal with more broader issues related to to gay and that issues in the next generation they had one episode that that did it quite well and uh, the delightful thing about that is that Jonathan Frakes was annoyed at them for not going for even more making that statement deeper by casting the um, the multi-sexual character as a male instead of a female because he thought they were playing it safe by doing it that way. And he would have really thought that that would have hit that issue a lot better. So then we see that by them bringing into Discovery our first full and totally acknowledged gay characters. So um, that's one where they've, where they've crossed that. They've also done a lot with Discovery of Star Trek had a very diverse cast when the, in the original series, but of now playing with that more and in Discovery just making it a full spectrum. And James, we'll have to save your answer when we come back on that, but you can at least preface it because we go to commercial in just a little bit. All right. And I, I do have to say, when you talk about a very diverse cast for the original Star Trek series. If we're looking at it now, um, that's very diverse for the time. Exactly. And yeah. yeah, we do have to put the original series in its context of the late 1960s. Right. All right. Please stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheist's Talk with our guests, James Croft and Scott Lohman. This is Stephanie Zavan, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chushke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our secret animals. And report national and Native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Mark your calendars for September 30th to attend the first-ever Undemo Day event, a celebration of big ideas hosted at the Palace Theater in St. Paul from 6 to 8 p.m. This unique event will feature six rising stars in our community as they share their journey of entrepreneurship. This event is brought to you by Lunar Startups and powered by Knight Foundation. Lunar Startups is helping women and people of color scale high-growth businesses by connecting founders to customers and capital. Learn more and register for this free event at LunarStartups.org. Atheists, secular humanists, and free thinkers. Here you are listening to the Minnesota Atheists Talk Radio Show, Atheist Talk. We hope you are enjoying it. If having a frankly atheist perspective on the radio waves appeals to you, please consider making a contribution to our radio fund. Our contract came up for renewal, and we need your help if you want the program to stay on the air. That will make sure that you can continue to have opportunities to hear interesting speakers with non-religious perspectives, and you can call up and ask them questions, too. Get the details on our website at minnesotaatheists.org, where you will find buttons to make it easy to make a secure donation through PayPal. Or, if you have a business and would like to reach an intelligent, progressive audience, please contact us through our website. That's minnesotaatheists.org. Or call us at 612-588-7031. If you are interested in us, we are interested in you. Don't believe in God? Join the club. Humanists, atheists, and freethinkers have joined the American Humanist Association since 1941 to advocate for progressive values and equality for non-theists in America. Located in Washington, D.C., the American Humanist Association lobbies Congress on humanist issues, protects the rights of atheists in the courts, and supports more than 140 local chapters. Visit us at AmericanHumanist.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter to learn how you can join the club today. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today's going to be mostly sunny with a high near 80. Tonight's mostly clear with a low around 63. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 84. Tuesday, partly sunny with a high near 81. And Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 78. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Cafe Latte. Try their bakery specializing in fresh breads and desserts, including their renowned chocolate turtle cake. They have desserts available whole or by the slice. Visit them on Victoria and Grand in St. Paul. More details at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to Atheist's Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan. Atheist's Talk is an unusual show. Very few places in the U.S. can someone randomly turn on commercial radio and hear a bunch of atheists talking about topics that interest them. Much of the work to keep us on the air is done by a dedicated group of volunteers, but we need your help, too. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation to our radio fund, please visit minnesotaatheists.org or search for Atheists Talk on Patreon and sign up for exclusive content. Atheists Talk is produced with funding from the Minnesota Atheists, American Atheists, and Cucumbers Restaurant. If you'd like to advertise on this program, please contact us at radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Our member is composed by member Brett Michael Davids and used with permission. Opinions expressed on the show are those of the speakers. You can find Minnesota Atheists' public policy positions at minnesotaatheists.org. While you're on the site, check out our previous shows, browse our articles to see what we're up to, check out our meetup calendar, or sign up for a weekly email to find out about upcoming events and connect with other atheists. And consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheists if you're not already. Support our work and help steer our future direction. If you have a question or comment on today's show... 
Please call us at 952-946-6205, email to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or find Atheists Talk on Twitter or Facebook. James Croft and Scott Lohman are with us today talking about the ethics of Star Trek. And before we went to commercial, I had asked, um, and, and Scott had answered, uh, how you feel that Star Trek uh, as a property is doing it, um, kind of addressing some of its old uh, updating and addressing uh, the ethics that it, it started with. James, how do you feel about that? Well, first, Stephanie, I think you're right that Star Trek has limitations. It's a cultural product created by human beings. We're not oracles living outside time with the ability to see everything and and predict what's going to happen. And so and you're people, very jealous about that. I know. I wish. I wish. I want to live inside a strange glowing orb. That <laughs> would be the best apartment of any one of my friends. They would love coming over for the am- amazing amount of space that I would have inside. But yes, Star Trek is created by human beings and people have limitations. They're not able to imagine what the future is going to be perfectly. And although in many areas Star Trek has been remarkably progressive, in some it's been very slow. So Scott was talking about its approach to LGBTQIA plus issues. It is not any longer brave to have gay characters on your television show. I love that there are openly gay members of the crew of Discovery. I think that's magnificent i'm gay myself i I, it was very affirming moment but it's very late in coming and i think we just have to be honest about that it's not pushing the envelope anymore and so what i think star trek needs to do as it as it goes forward is to recapture some of its initial bravery its willingness to do things that you might imagine censors objecting to today if you think about what issues it could tackle that executives might be worried about them putting on air those are the ethical issues that star trek really has to tackle and i do think that it has made some progress i'm happy for instance that some of the sort of racial essentialism that was a part of the original series and to some degree next generation has become more complicated as it goes on not all members of a particular species in star trek are portrayed as exactly the same And that was always a kind of rather problematic element of how it approached the differences between species. And so that's got better. And I think that one of the things that Star Trek could do to remain not just relevant but visionary is really push the boundaries of what it's acceptable to talk about on television. It should be, you know, we live in a time in which the humanistic values of Star Trek are under attack all across the world with rampant xenophobia and nationalism and white supremacy and it would be great if the series really tackled that to imagine what the world could look like after we've got over that and how we can get over that that's what i hope for from star trek in the future yeah that is quite the challenge on that and um I, I don't know where the where the new the new series are going to go as far as that issue, but yeah, getting braver to tackle religion. Roddenberry was always you know brave to take on that and got quite a lot of pushback back in the, uh, the original the series and and even a little bit uh, during the next gen era um, on that on those issues. But he still managed to sneak in some pretty good ones. In fact, I'm delighted that we they were able to talk about religion in the animated series and and do that in the episode How Sharper Than the Serpent's Tooth, where at the end Kirk is able to say, No, we've we've outgrown the need for gods. We no longer need um, a powerful being to to oversee us and help us. And that they snuck in on Saturday morning, which I thought was just very cool. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that sort of bravery in terms of tackling those questions is important. I also think that Star Trek is at its best, ethically speaking, when it's reflective and when it is not too preachy. When it doesn't say we've got it all figured out, this is the way we should live, and here it is, and these things are wrong, and these things are right. Some of my favorite Star Trek episodes and moments from the films as well are when characters don't live up to their own values and then reflect upon their failure. And that 
that sort of skepticism, that self-skepticism, that understanding that we're a developing species with a lot still to learn, I think is an important part of Star Trek. One of my favorite elements that's been explored in Discovery recently is that Star Trek sets up what they call the mirror universe, which is this other reality in which all the sort of cherished values of the Federation are turned upside down. So instead of a peacekeeping democracy, there is a evil empire, a totalitarian empire that rules the galaxy. And one of the things I've loved about Star Trek is that as far as I read it, it was the idea that we are the Federation and we're the goodies and that the mirror universe Terran Empire are the baddies and we're better than them. The point was to say we could become the Federation, open, inclusive, democratic, or we could become the Terran Empire, xenophobic and closed and nationalistic. And it depends on the choices we make now. And I love a Star Trek that's reflective and honest about our own failings in that way. Yeah, and, and Discovery has done done coming up to that issue actually in both seasons. Um, in first season where they talked about um, with the ethics of war and do we just totally destroy the home world of an entire species or do we find a better way of solving the problem? And then in season two, when talking about putting an AI in charge of doing things and then realizing, wait a moment, this could cause even bigger problems than, than we've got. And it started to do that. So they are kind of doing that, but um, it's it's nice to see them moving in those in, in dealing with those type of ethical issues. Absolutely. So I, I have noticed that we've kind of skipped from next generation to talking about Discovery and <laughs> looking forward to Picard. Talk to me about DS9. Why are we not talking about DS9? Because that was in some ways kind of a radical change for Star Trek. It very much was. And um, I'm a, a big proponent of DS9. And um, that one dealt with issues of having a crew that was not all on the same page um, with an ongoing war situation going on and helping a culture that had spent 40 or 60 years, I forget the exact number, um, under being oppressed and with the people trying to reassert their rights and do that. And the fact that one of our main characters um, was a terrorist as, as for most of her life and has to deal with, with now becoming part of, uh, uh, of basically the people trying to figure things out. So, yeah, DS9 definitely was, would hit on that issue. And uh, did you, do you find that there's, you've got great episodes you use from DS9 for your, your ethics discussions? Oh, you bet. I love DS9. I think DS9 is a fantastic piece of television, partly because of what you were saying, Scott, about the ethical issues it's able to explore because of its unique setting on uh, a space station in a contested part of space after a terrible conflict which has involved terrorism and oppression of the worst kinds on a sort of new frontier with the wormhole which deals with issues like the exploration of a new area of space and new to the Federation at least and raises issues of colonialization, exploitation of resources and all those sorts of things. So I love Deep Space Nine. I actually think that it has some of the best episodes that demonstrate some of the qualities of Star Trek I was just talking about where characters fail to live up to their own values and their reflection on that helps them learn and grow. So I think about episodes like The Pale Moonlight where Cisco, the commander of Deep Space Nine, is trying to bring the enemies of the Federation, the historic enemies of the Federation, the Romulans, into an alliance to win this war against the Dominion. And he has to compromise many of his values to do that. And it's a wonderful exploration of the complexity of working within a terrible situation, how that can warp our moral compass or maybe make us change our moral compass 
out of necessity. So I love Deep Space Nine partly because of the tensions that it presents its characters. Yeah, and I've used that that same episode. I use that as one of my teaching texts that at Camp Quest. Are we the same person, Scott? There we go. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> your accents are very different. Very different, but that one just had wonderful meaty stuff to deal with it. Um, but even episodes when you go back to first season, the episode duet. Um, dealing with the issue of Kira desperately wanting to catch one of the, one of the really bad guys and discovering that it's actually a Cardassian feeling really, really guilty about what his species did to the other so he could be that target. And just the fact that it was two people in a room and they got into those type of deep issues. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant episode. I was just starting rewatching Deep Space Nine recently, and I recall that episode very powerfully, partly because, as you say, it explores deep psychological issues in a way that I can't think that really many television shows ever do. But also because it has this kind of setup as a television play. A lot of Star Trek has a sort of theatrical quality as if you're really watching a stage play that's being filmed. And that unusual pacing its willingness to let the characters actually talk to each other and the feeling that something dramatic doesn't have to happen every few seconds or probably better put that drama can come from interactions between people and the psychological and ethical dilemmas they're in that's so unusual and i feel like there needs to be more television like that yeah, definitely. That's that's the the cool thing that science fiction does is it allows us to explore those issues and and get into that and give us um oh, you know almost you know as you mentioned earlier the Bible using parables and Star Trek doing that by bringing in uh, characters that we're not going to meet on the street corner but we can still relate to. All right, please stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheists Talk with our guests James Croft and Scott Lohman. This is Stephanie Zvan, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Hi, this is Paul Metza, inviting you to listen to the Wall of Power Radio Hour every weekend on AM 950. We are on at 6 p.m. on Saturday, 4 p.m. on Sunday. We feature artists, musicians, raconteurs, private detectives, and more. 6 p.m. Saturday night on AM 950. Hi, my name is Mickey McCabe. I'm the owner of Cucumbers Restaurant at 75th and France, Medina. Many who have dined at Cucumbers are of the opinion that our buffet has evolved from an older, more country-style buffet. They look at our 50-foot salad bar and can imagine a smaller ancestor with far fewer choices. An ancestor that didn't offer as many hot selections or have a bakery with fresh-baked muffins and breads. Didn't offer homemade soups and lack the fresh fruit and ice cream bar that Cucumbers customers have grown to love. But some will say, where are the transitional buffets? In addition, they look at everything that we offer and say that Cucumbers is irreducibly complex. If you were to move just one of our offerings, the entire buffet wouldn't function. Well, I would like to think that Cucumbers was intelligently designed, since I helped design it. But at the same time, it truly is an evolutionary step up the buffet ladder. And as always, if you bring in your Atheist Newsletter or Church Bulletin, you will receive a $2 discount off the buffet price. Cucumbers, one heavenly buffet at 75th and France, Medina. I've never met another atheist. Sure you have. Non-believers make up 12% of the population. Then where are they? You can meet us at book clubs, pub crawls, discussion groups, movie nights, monthly meetings. Okay, I get it. How am I going to keep track of all this? Easy. Sign up for Minnesota Atheist Meetup Group and subscribe to AWE. What's a meetup group? Meetup is an online networking site that helps people build communities. 
We have over 700 members with at least two events every week. And what is AWE? It stands for Atheist Weekly Email. It comes out every Friday and lists everything that's going on. How do I sign up? Go to the Minnesota Atheists website, minnesotaatheists.org. On the left, click on the words Get Awe Inspired. And for the meetup? Look for the red meetup badge on the right. Above it are the words, click here to check out the meetup group. I'm sold. Minnesota Atheists, Meetup, and AWE. What's that website again? MinnesotaAtheists.org. Welcome back to AM950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheists Talk. I'm your host, Stephanie Zvan. Today's guests are James Croft and Scott Lohman talking about the ethics of Star Trek. Welcome back, James and Scott. So I, I made you touch on DS9, which made me very happy because that's actually my favorite of the series. Um, we should also, I think, talk a little bit about Voyager. For me, that was kind of a return to the classical way that Star Trek took on issues. Is that, um, James, is that kind of how you feel about it? Or do you have, you want to argue? No, I don't want to argue at all. I think in some ways Voyager takes the best things that they learned from Deep Space Nine and then puts it back into a roving ship format that enables them to explore some of the things that Next Generation did so well. And they're a great – I love Voyager. I just love, love Voyager. I, I love pretty much all Star Trek. Has this come across at all no. over it, the past hour? I would never okay. have guessed. Yeah, we never guessed, and, and I'm the same way. The, you, you're like Stephanie will get nailed down to DS9 as a favorite, but – I like them all, and I can and I can make cases for um, the good in all of the Star Trek series um, on that, especially um, unappreciated more ones like DS9 and actually Enterprise. Well, I, I think maybe you have to off air give me your argument in favor of Enterprise because I have a terrible <laughs> admission, which is I I find much of it completely unwatchable, but that's. Another topic, the ethics of how they created Enterprise is probably an interesting topic in itself. But I think Voyager has some fascinating ethical conundrums at the heart of some of its best episodes. I love Living Witness, an episode okay. in season four, where it's a bit complicated to explain the plot, but it's basically an exploration of how memory and history are created and what events shape our perception of the past because the holographic doctor essentially wakes up in this museum in the future and all the events that he lived through are misportrayed and we get to kind of see how history has remembered Voyager and he tries to write the record and it's just one of these examples where Star Trek uses its setting to explore quite a cerebral topic the creation of history and how things are remembered and why and why that's important. And I love quirky episodes like that. You just don't get that in other series. Yeah, and, and Voyager also took on, on, on a religious topic of um, afterlife and living forever in uh, the episode Death Wish, in which an immortal species has a member who wants to actually die. And I love that episode because it talks about the concept of living forever by using a gas station on a road in the middle of the desert. And they talk about the people just standing there. They're not talking. It's like he says, well, they've said everything. Well, what about the road? They said they've been to the end of the road at that end, and they've been to the end of the road at the other end. They've even been the scarecrow. And just talking about how long eternity can be and just playing with that concept, and uh, that, that's what's just fascinating, that they pulled that off in television. I totally agree. I love that episode. And that's an example of Star Trek pushing beyond the moral horizon, particularly when that episode came out. But honestly, dignity in dying is still an ethical issue, which humanists have pr promoted for ages, the right to end your own life when you choose. That is an issue that's still live today, that's still being debated across the United States, and Star Trek tackled it ages and ages ago in that lovely way that really shows how Star Trek can give us enough distance from our own society and culture to enable us to engage sympathetically with an idea which to many people is still anathema. Yeah, and that, that's the, the, the challenge that the show has, has generally wanted to take on when it could, and um, 
helps with just getting us a chance to look at those issues and be able to then sit down and, and talk those over. Um, a number of my favorite things is is one guy saying that they they created a, a podcast to talk about Star Trek because he and his roommate used to watch Star Trek and then talk about it for an hour and a half afterwards. And so there's some great resources out there for fans who, who want to get more into their Star Trek than they already are, which can be a scary thing for all of their friends and, and, and family, but is just great for those of us who get obsessed about it. So I'm going to ask you both to step a little bit outside your comfort zone and only marginally talk about Star Trek here. Um, are there – obviously, this is – Star Trek is um, at the beginning of many, many things. Are there other shows at this point that you would recommend or movies or, or that kind of thing that basically um, expand on what Star Trek has been doing in the ethical and particularly humanist um, you, I guess. <laughs> well, what, one I'm going to jump on, and it's totally outside of where Star Trek is, is, is a situation comedy called The Good Place. And that one is taking on um, the ethics of an afterlife, of why, why do you engage in good behavior, and actually bringing in actual names of philosophers, their books, and explaining their philosophy correctly as part of a situation comedy. Have you checked that one out, James? I have not yet watched The Good Place, but many people have recommended it to me as I am a philosopher by training and also a fan of great TV, and so many people have talked to me about that. So I'm going to do that this coming week when I finish binging Downton Abbey in preparation of the movie. <laughs> ah, yeah, we all have those things we've got to do. So, um, But as far as another science fiction series that's doing it is The Expanse, which is a space opera series set in the future but is actually, unlike Star Trek, doesn't go for the some of the science fantasy elements that – you know, made Star Trek easier to to film, um, is set in um, the future solar system dealing with the politics of Earth, Mars, and the belt, and the perennial um, battles of resources and that. And then they bring in something alien. And so that is dealing with a lot of issues. And its other contrast to Star Trek and handling the issues is that our main crew um, are the survivors of an ice crawler trawler as opposed to being Starfleet's best. So, James, how about you? I have a couple. I have to say that I think the show that best took on Star Trek's mantle in terms of doing science fiction exploration of ethical issues was the new Battlestar Galactica series. So if people haven't watched that, it's much grittier, it's much darker, but I also think it's very bold in addressing issues in a way that original Star Trek did. So I, I love that. In terms of something that's on television right now, I really appreciate Legion, which is a science fiction series that's based in the X-Men universe, v gorgeously filmed, very unusual and challenging, exploring issues, particularly the first season of mental illness, in a way that I have seen no other show explore. It's quite different to Star Trek, but I really appreciate it. Right. In terms of something that catches... I, I oh, am I have to so stop. sorry. I did not leave I enough time for this question. Yes, yes obviously. Okay. Um, and for those who want more from James, you can find him at his uh, blog on Patheos, Temple of the Future. I would like to thank our audience for tuning in to Atheist's Talk. This is Stephanie Zervan, your host. Please join us again next Sunday. I'm proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheists, and I hope you appreciate the show. The show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and our donors. This is Atheist's Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The podcast for the show will be on our radio page as soon as possible.